0: Well, we continue our study of Acts uh, this week, and in fact, we're going to take two more weeks to uh, finish up Acts. Um, we are uh, in uh, chapter 21, and there's still seven more chapters left. And yet, these uh, these chapters all center around uh, Paul's journey from uh, Jerusalem and then to Rome. And in fact, in Romans 15... Um, Paul tells us, this. uh, Romans was probably written when Paul was in Ephesus, where we left off the story last week, where he was um, saying farewell to the folks in Ephesus. It's thought that Romans was probably written when he was there. And in fact, at the end of Romans, Paul says this. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem to deliver contributions to the poor among God's people in Jerusalem. And then I plan on stopping in Rome on my way to Spain. And so we get an idea of what Paul's intentions are, how Paul has heard the Spirit uh, speak to him, and uh, why Paul is so adamant about going to Jerusalem. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at these next three or four chapters and, and just look at this journey and look at what happens to Paul when he arrives in Jerusalem. Uh, But it begins by him leaving uh, Miletus, actually, where he met with the people from Ephesus and heading off to Jerusalem. And and on the journey, uh, Paul encounters um, other uh, disciples who have had a clear message from the Spirit that uh, when Paul, if Paul goes to Jerusalem, he is going to experience uh, troubles, that he is going uh, to be grabbed by the Jewish folks and handed over to the Gentiles. And in fact, uh, one of the prophets, a prophet comes and tells him the same thing, and so Paul's friends and disciples begin to encourage him not to go. They begin to um, insist that he not go to Jerusalem, and yet... Paul insists that he thinks that the Spirit is leading him and continuing uh, continuing to send him to Jerusalem despite all that he might experience there. And we're told when Paul gets to Jerusalem, everything seems fine, at least initially. Paul is received by James and the church leaders as he arrives in Jerusalem. And Paul tells them, of all of God's activities that have been going on through uh, the ministry team that Paul has been leading throughout, the, throughout Asia and to the Gentiles and to the Jews who are spread out across, Paul shares um, God's wonderful activity of how people are accepting Jesus as the Messiah and seeking to follow him. And, and the church leaders, they give praise for Paul's report. And yet, very quickly after that praise, we see James then tell Paul, well, you know, there are a lot of uh, Jewish folks in Jerusalem who are also coming to Christ. Uh, The ministry that we're doing here is showing fruit also. Uh, But there's this one little concern that the church seems to have uh, with Paul's arrival. Uh, See, it seems as if the, the Jewish folks who are converting to Christianity in Jerusalem are really concerned about continuing to follow the law and the prophets. They are really concerned about continuing the Jewish traditions and the Jewish rituals. And they have heard stories about Paul. They have heard stories about Paul off in the far lands teaching Jewish people Uh, that they no longer need to follow the Torah, um, speaking words against Israel and against the temple. At least that's the stories and the rumors that they have heard. And the church in Jerusalem, they are worried about how Paul's presence among them might disturb the peace, might uh, hinder the ministry that they are doing. And so they devise this plan. They devise this plan, and they ask Paul. They say they tell Paul about this group of folks who are undergoing a purification ritual, and they encourage Paul to participate in this purification ritual, which seems to only make sense. He's been among the Gentiles, and so it would be proper for him to go through this purification ritual, where uh, where he. Um, where he acknowledges his Jewishness and he adheres to the Jewish traditions. And so, Paul agrees. Now, if we read the letters of Paul, we may be surprised that Paul agrees because um, we know throughout his letters that Paul insists that these rituals aren't absolutely necessary, and especially for Gentiles. And yet, if we're familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we know that Paul has also said that he will do just about anything for the gospel, that that he will be everything to everyone if it furthers the gospel and builds up the gospel without hindering his allegiance to Jesus. And so it seems like Paul makes an assessment here that uh, he can participate in this ritual, uh, that it will send the message to the, uh, to the Jewish folks that indeed he is not opposed to the law and the prophets, uh, that he is not opposed to Israel, but he indeed continues to seek to fulfill the law and the prophets. And so he agrees to do this. Unfortunately, when he goes to the temple, they hit a snag. Surprise, surprise, yes? Yes. And we're told when he goes to the temple, there are some uh, Jews from Asia who are in the temple. Now that's our first clue. If we've been reading all of these cha- all of these um, chapters from uh, in Acts, if we've been reading Acts from chapter nine forward, that should be a clue because it seems as if Paul is always at odds, either with um, Asian. Uh, uh, Jews or at odds with temple idol leaders. Uh, But the, the Jews from Asia, they see Paul, and they indeed accuse him of teaching against Israel, against the law, and against the temple. And furthermore, they think that one of the people who is with Paul, they are convinced that one of the people who is with Paul is actually a Gentile and is in the temple. Now, we find that hard to fathom about why that would be such a big deal. Uh, Hopefully, right? I mean, mean, we don't get upset if someone who's not a Christian comes into our sanctuary, right? Nod your head yes. Very good. Uh, But you see... For a non-Jew to enter into uh, the court outside the Holy of Holies uh, was completely forbidden. And in fact, it was to defile the temple. It was a space that was only intended for uh, the ancestors of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And so, uh, they were convinced that Paul had brought a Gentile into the temple... And they started to point it out and, and it created this turmoil as people grabbed a hold of Paul and they drug him out of the temple and it says they closed the doors behind him and they began to beat Paul. Their intent was to kill Paul because in, in their eyes he had done something so evil as to bring a Gentile into the, into the temple. At this point, Paul is rescued by a Roman authority. Paul is rescued by the captain of a battalion in Jerusalem. And in fact, if we pay attention to the rest of the story in Acts um, from 21 to 28, we will see, we will see that um, Paul has less to fear from Rome and from the Roman authorities than he has to fear from his own people. He has more to fear from the traditional status quo temple leaders and Jewish folks than he has to fear from Rome. Think about that. If we read these next seven chapters, that really sticks out to us and jumps out at us. And so this Roman captain um, rescues Paul and, and he's unable to get an idea as he asks the people in the, outside the temple, he says, what's going on? What, what has this guy done? And he seems to get several answers from several different people and he can't make heads or tails out of it. And so he takes Paul back to the headquarters, to the local headquarters for this uh, battalion. And as he's getting ready to lead Paul in, lead Paul into the headquarters, Paul asks if he can speak to the people. He requests, can can I have an opportunity to speak to them? And and he speaks in Greek, and suddenly this captain who uh, probably thought that Paul was some revolutionary or some uh, rebel trying to stir up the Jewish people uh, against the Romans, um, he realizes that maybe Paul is not who he thought he was. In fact, the text indicates he thought that he was some Egyptian that had led terrorists to rise up against uh, Rome, uh, but he realizes that Paul is not just your everyday terrorist. And so somehow Paul convinces uh, the captain to allow him to speak, and, um, and we're going to pick up in uh, chapter 22, we're going to pick up... Um, We are going to pick up Paul's words in chapter 22. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him address them in Aramaic, so he addressed uh, the captain in Greek, but he's speaking to them in Aramaic in their own language. When they hear him speak in their own language, they become quiet. And so apparently they're going to give Paul a hearing. And Paul says... I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Sicilia, but raised in this city, raised in Jerusalem. Under Gamaliel's instruction, I was trained in the strict interpretation of our ancestral law. And so we we see Paul, as he begins here, he begins stressing Uh, The connection that he has to the people in Jerusalem, to the Jewish people in Jerusalem, that he himself is not just an ordinary Jew, but he has been trained under a well-respected rabbi. Um, He has been instructed on how to interpret the Torah. He is not an uneducated person. And he continues, I am passionately loyal to God just like you who are gathered here today. In fact, he goes on to say, I harassed those who followed this way. And the way was, was, was the way that they, they talked about being a Jesus follower. In other words, um, I harassed those who were followers of Jesus to their death, arresting and delivering both men and women into prison. In fact, some of the high priests who may have still been a part of the Jerusalem council were the ones who could testify to this about Paul. They had given Paul letters uh, that allowed him uh, to go to Damascus and, and to bring back Uh, followers of the way, followers of Jesus, so that they could be punished in Jerusalem. And so Paul is is trying to say, I I get it. Uh, I I was just like you. I am just like you. I am uh, from uh, the ancestry of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am loyal to the same God that you are loyal to. I I read the same scriptures. I have been taught how to interpret these scriptures. I was opposed to Jesus at one point in time also. But he says during that journey, the journey to Damascus, at about noon, As I approached Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven encircled me. I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice asking me, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? And I answered, Who are you? I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are harassing, he replied. Now, my traveling companions, they saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice of the one who spoke to me. And I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord said, get up and go into Damascus. There you will be told everything you have been appointed to do. I couldn't see because of the brightness of that light, and so my companions had to lead me into Damascus. There was a certain man named Ananias, According to the standards of the law, he was a pious man who enjoyed the respect of all Jews living there. He came and stood beside me. Brother Saul, receive your sight, he said, and instantly I regained my sight and I could see him. He said, the God of our ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has selected you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear his voice. You will be his witness to everyone concerning what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your hands, uh, wash away your sins, and, and call upon his name. Now, we've heard this before, this story before in chapter 9, but uh, Paul is going to tell it a little bit differently here as he continues. He says, uh, then I went to Jerusalem. And I was praying in the temple, in this very temple that he had been at. I was praying in the temple. I had a visionary experience. I saw the Lord speaking to me. Hurry, he said. Leave Jerusalem at once because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. I responded, Lord, these people know. They know me, I used to go from one synagogue to the other to the next, uh, beating those who believed in you and throwing them into prison. When Stephen witnessed, I, uh, when Stephen uh, gave a witness and was being killed, I stood there giving my approval, even watching the clothes that belonged to him um, as they were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, Go. I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And the crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Until he said, until he said, God, Jesus told me, go and I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd began shouting uh, again, away with this man. Again, their anger arises and they want to do harm To Paul. What what is it. uh, That has caused them. uh, Such a ruckus. They were patiently listening. As Paul told them. That he too was a Jew. That he had persecuted people. From the way. Even when he said he had seen. The resurrected Jesus. They didn't throw a fit. But it's when Paul says. That Jesus told him to go. To the Gentiles. If we're paying attention in this whole message, the thing that we see is we see this anti-Gentile sentiment that sentiment that existed in uh, Jerusalem. Uh, this bias against uh, Gentiles. This insistence that Gentiles were not welcome among the people of God. Now, as I read this story, I can't, I can't help but wonder. And the more and more I read this story this week, uh, do you notice something that seems to be absent from this story? Wait, where are James and the Jerusalem Christian leaders when it comes to this? There seems to be nobody who comes to Paul's defense there seems to be uh, nobody who, who comes to Paul's th- defense. I mean, do the, Ju- do the Jerusalem Christians, do they stand with the temple leaders? We, we know that they, that they were, in fact, Jewish and that they continued to pack, practice Jewish rituals, which uh, Paul affirms is the is right thing for them to do. Or, or do they stand with Paul? The text doesn't really tell us, does it? And I wonder if part of that challenge is to us today, to to challenge us about where would we stand? Where would we stand in such a situation? See, as we hear this message today, I wonder if it's a message to the church today. Oh, certainly we're not anti-Gentile, right? But I I just wonder, if we take an honest look at the church today, um, what is our attitude toward people who we do not see as Christian? Or what is our attitude even toward people who say they're Christian, but we don't think they're Christian because they don't believe like us, and so they must just be pretending or something? How do we treat those who are not already a part of this boundary that we have drawn around ourselves? You see, I think Paul was trying to make the point that he had been a part of this uh, traditional Jewish Synagogue who sought to draw boundaries and exclude people. And yet he had heard the voice of Christ, which suggested that those boundaries should be wiped away and that people should be included. People should be welcomed instead of pushed away. I think that Paul is again saying, he used to think in these ways, and yet he has encountered the risen Christ. And he understands the law and the prophets a lot different than how he used to understand it. It's no longer uh, these rules that people have to follow in order to be included. In in fact, it's no longer uh, these rules that we are called to follow so that we can point to ourselves and say that we are part of the in crowd. Now you see, Paul heard the message of Jesus. The law and the prophets, they are summed up in the commandment to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your mind and your soul and all of your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Paul had heard this directly from Jesus. He was calling those who were a part of his family, who were a part of his faith. He was challenging them to hear Jesus teaching and to hear Jesus way. And to let go of some of the things they thought they understood about the law and Torah and instead to listen to the words of Jesus. Words that said, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets so that you could be accepted rather than rules that said you were supposed to follow the laws and the prophets so that God will then accept you. You hear the difference? One who taught about love and grace instead of anger and punishment and judgment. One who taught about forgiveness and reconciliation rather than condemnation and alienation. One that refused to exclude people and instead went among um, sinners and, and the sick among the tax collectors, among those who were considered to be the worst of worst in society and ate and drank and formed relationships with them, inviting them to get to know him, inviting them to experience the healing and wholeness that God intended for everyone. Can we feel the tension Can we feel the shifting sands underneath the faith that Paul had once known and understood? We begin to see this break that exists as Paul realizes there will be some who will simply never embrace the ways of Jesus. They will hold to the tradition and to the status quo rather than proclaiming the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so we'll see as we finish up this story in the next week, we'll see Paul continue with this message. But may we hear it today. May we ask ourselves today, if we had been the Jerusalem church, would we have stood with the, traditional Jewish synagogue folks? Would we have stood with Paul who insisted that Jesus was leading in a different way? Or would we just remain silent? Waiting to see who comes out on top so that we could be on the winning side. May we, like Paul, Hear loud and clear Jesus' voice. May we encounter him as we gather this day. And may we forever seek to share his love and his grace no matter where we may be. Amen. I invite those who are singing, leading us in the last song to come forward. And as they come forward, I invite you all. Uh, to allow the words of the Spirit to sink in. I invite you to hear the words of Jesus speaking to you today. And I invite you to respond in a way that is faithful. I also invite you, um, if you have tithes and offerings this day, to drop them in the offering plate as you leave. Or if you're online, if you'll drop them in the mail... Uh, to continue uh, the mission and the ministry of this church as we seek to talk about God's love and grace as loudly and boldly as we can. Let us sing. Help us accept each other.